quite unusual. Hello, and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And we'd like to welcome you to our show. Welcome to the podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. Welcome to the podcast. And now you don't know who's who. Who's who? They don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. You don't know know who's talking right now. Is this Nicole? don't know who's talking right now. Or is it Noelle? No one knows. Nicole sings all the time. It's very hard to tell who's who. Yeah. No one knows. Nicole, I have a question. Yes. When's the last time you were in a movie theater? Ooh. um, At least over a year. I don't even remember the last movie I saw. Really? Yeah. When's the last time you've been in a movie theater? Six days ago, bitch. <gasps> oh, that's right. Swear to the intro. See? I saw The Conjuring. Oh, fitting. And I had my icy. It was the red one and the blue one mixed. Oh, I just go straight blue. Oh, I always mix. Got to mix. <laughs> I got my big hot popping corn in my lap. Some butter and some salt. Oh, duh. Do you stick the straw in the butter thing to try to get to the... St- the popcorn underneath no but do you have to fill it up halfway? halfway and then i go put butter and then i bring it yeah, back that's mm-hmm. the only way to do it you got to dude only you got way. to i got my red vines crazy delicious Ooh, yeah. uh and then i got my snow caps Love put snow caps. it in my popcorn i've never done that before oh it's what's up it's better with milk duds because like you know how milk duds mm. really hurt your teeth when you try to eat them yeah and then you put them in the popcorn and they get like soft and melty oh. it's a hot mess but it's like so good i don't like to mix well, you know, I'm a I'm a savory, salty mm-hmm. girl. You're yeah. a sweet girl. Oh yeah, all day. I like to keep my popcorn salty and not not cross over the sweetness. I respect that, mm-hmm. but I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> I like a salty sweet. Yeah, but I also am fueled by sugar. So you are. Yeah. You're a very you're a sweets person. Yeah, baby. So when I saw it, I know you had yet to see it. Yeah. I watched it on HBO Max, though. I sadly mm-hmm. didn't go to a theater. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the only one in the theater. Really? Pretty much, yeah. That's awesome, though. Yeah. I love when that happens. Yeah, it was so good. Nice. It was like a matinee, which... Ooh. Oh, man. Is there anything better than going into a movie theater on a hot summer day and coming out and it being, like, scorching hot outside and right. you were just inside? In the darkness, oh, too. in the dark, in the cold. You got your gummy bears happening. It's what's yeah. up. And then you come out and you're like, <sighs> yeah, because the light's, like, mm-hmm. yeah, too much. Yeah. That's the best time to go to any movie because there's barely any people there. Yeah. It's amazing. I fucking love the movies, dude. I am... So thrilled that the movie theaters are back open and I'm vaccinated and can go. I still have to go, but yeah, I know. Me too. It might be my favorite place on earth, the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. For real. I don't understand people that don't love movies. I know. It just, it doesn't really Even going to the movie. I can understand like opening nights. Those can get a little overwhelming. Oh yeah, for sure. But a matinee, like two o'clock on a Saturday. Nothing better, baby. It's the best time. Yes. So then we obviously watched the show. Mm-hmm. The same movie, just different format. So. The Conjuring 3. And I feel like we might have accidentally texted each other at like the same exact moment and been like, why haven't we done an episode on this? Yeah. Actually, when it, well, when it, we knew it was coming out, uh-huh. I think we were like, we're going to do one. And then all of a sudden it came out. I don't think either of us really realized no. it was coming out that uh-uh. quick. I thought it was going to release next year. Actually. I have no concept of time anymore, though. Yeah. So who yeah, knows? Same. So, and I think 
one of our listeners might have brought it to our attention. Yeah. And then we were like, gotta do it. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Always slippery slide into those DMs because we read it, we hear it, we love it, we text about it. Yeah. So if you haven't guessed, this is, this episode is about the case that just happened. Well, it didn't just happen, but. They just did the Conjuring 3 movie about... That's right. The case of Arnie Johnson. Arnie Johnson. Personally, I love the Conjuring movies. Do you? I do, because I like a ghost story, and they were kind of haunty at the beginning. This one, I'll be completely honest, it wasn't my favorite horror movie. It was I kind of laughed through like a lot right. of it, to be honest. <laughs> Same. But the earlier ones... Yeah. They were a little ghosty, and you know I'm afraid of ghosts, so they kind of hit me. Yeah, haunted. Yeah, the hauntings. I'm afraid of a haunting. Right. I, to be quite honest with you, I despise the entire Conjuring universe. Do you really? And I'll probably get some hate mail for this. Hey, I, I just don't like any of those movies. Okay, the first one, we'll let it slide. Yeah, but. All of the rest, like Annabelle. Annabelle was fucking terrible. Annabelle comes home. Annabelle, there's like a third one. Is uh, there? Either they're making it or there Annabelle, is. I'm just going to, hot take, mm. hot take. Yeah. Annabelle is boring. It's so boring. And that stupid, like, haunted they looking doll. So much. That they used in the movie was just even more boring. Yeah. It would have been way scarier if they had used, like, a real doll. The Raggedy Ann mm-hmm. one that they, that's actually the real doll. Yeah. What's another? Yeah. Oh, the nun. I never saw that. It's bad. Don't Damn, see I it. I haven't seen a lot of these kind of movies. They're not La Lorena. I actually really liked La Lorena. Didn't see it. I saw the first one and I liked it. So I guess that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. The Conjuring, the first one, the hauntiness. Yeah. The haunted house. Love I a haunted like a haunted house. house. Speaking of haunted houses. Yeah. I thought my house was haunted earlier this week. <laughs> tell the story. I got to tell it. Noelle already knows it because I was actually <laughs> it's talking so to good. Her. So I'm sitting in my house. I think it was. Thursday? Yeah, mm. it was Thursday. And I was hearing this weird chirping noise. And I thought it was a bird. Yeah. So I opened my door. I thought, like, maybe a baby bird had fallen oh. out of the nest. Couldn't find any baby birds. No. But it was, like, coming from inside my house. I'm like, this is The weird. call was coming from inside the, the house. The chirp was coming the chirp was from, coming from inside, inside the, the house. house. So I'm like, whatever. And then the chirping stopped. So, I'm you know, I'm working from home. It's really quiet. My mom actually came and she took my dogs because they needed to go to the vet. And obviously I couldn't leave to take them. So my mom took the dogs and I'm sitting in my house. It's just like completely silent. And I heard the scratching noise coming from my basement. And like I was hearing weird noises all day. My dogs were hearing weird noises all day. So I was like, I don't like something's going on in my house today. Mm -hmm. And so I'm listening. I'm hearing scratching like it's coming from my basement. And I immediately just thought, like, ghost, demon, Uh haunting. This is, this is it, guys. I I wanted this my whole life. (laughs) Dude, you texted me. You're like, oh, my God, it's all happening. It's like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. I was thrilled for you. You know I've always wanted to be haunted. Mm -hmm. That's, like, one of my dreams in life. So I'm going downstairs. And I did that thing where... I had my camera on and I like turned it on. So I'm like, if anything happens to yeah. me, I'm going to get it on camera. Uh-huh. And then if I like, if they find my body, they're going to know what happened. Found footage. Yeah. So I'm walking down the stairs and I hear this like scraping, scratching noise, right? And I have this closet in my basement and it, we just use it for storage. I have snakes. So usually it's like all my snake stuff is in there, like mm-hmm. bedding and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, it's coming from that closet. Yeah. 
And at that point, I was like kind of making some noise because I'm moving towards the closet. And every time I would move, the scratching would stop. <gasps> so I was like, it's an animal. It's got to yeah. be an animal. So I opened the door and there was the cutest little chipmunk Wee. like sitting in the middle. He was like scratching at the bag of snake bedding that mm-hmm. we have. And he just like stops and he turns and he looks at me. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so cute. But then yeah. he like ran under and he hid under something else. Anyways, I was able to get him out. Uh-huh. I trapped him. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw this on my stories. <laughs> so he was so he cute. He was so cute. So I trapped him. Well, first he like ran at me and I put the top of the snake cage like in front of the door. So otherwise he would have like physically jumped at me. Yeah. And it scared the shit out of me. But so I was able to capture him. And I brought him outside, and I released him, and now he's back, probably living, probably going to come back into my closet. Because I didn't know this, but they burrow. Oh, so do they? he must, yeah, he must have like a tunnel from leading to my basement, I guess. Oh. So yeah, I released him, and he's gone and free. So it was a little scary for. Well, actually, it was a little exciting for yeah. a second, but it was just a chipmunk. That's so cute. So, um, yeah, that was my fun story for the week. Who would win in a fight, a cornered chipmunk or a poltergeist? Mm, I don't know. That chipmunk was pretty scrappy. Yeah, dude. He full on flung at me. Yeah, junkyard chipmunk right there. And I screamed like a little girl. I will say, <laughs> I have a video of it, but I'm not gonna post that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have to show me that later. I will. But before we really get started with our show, I just want to say that the inspiration for this episode was the last Conjuring movie. So mm. we want to give you the actual information of what is out there in the real life events. Yeah. So, of course, um, seeing as how the movie is based on true life, there will be some spoilers here. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know any single detail of this story whatsoever, maybe hold off on listening until you have watched the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the movie's kind of straightforward, too. So if you've seen the preview, it might not be yeah, too much true. new yeah. information. But, but I don't, still... don't want to be the people yeah. that spoil things. That's true. If you don't like spoilers, then I guess just skip this until you watch the movie. Yeah. So spoiler alert. Hit us up later if yeah. you, yeah. I guess, haven't seen it and you want to see it first. Yeah. But yeah, just wanted to say that because we wouldn't want to spoil anything for you guys. So I guess without further ado, let's get into the case, the real case of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. To do Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's case. I love his middle name. I love his feminine a, middle name. Oh, on God, a man. I love it so much. Don't you, especially I really Cheyenne. Do. It's a good one. Yeah. That's a great name. So to do justice to Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's case, first we have to talk about someone else entirely. Mm-hmm. Just sit down, Arnie. We will get to you when we're ready. Cheyenne. This person that we need to talk about now is David Glatzel. Only 11 years old in 1980, David was a victim of a demonic possession. Demonic possession is, as I'm sure most of you are aware, but for those of you that are not, when a demon or an evil spirit inhabits or gains control of a person's body or corporeal form. David was, at the time, well, I guess he still technically is, (laughs) the little brother of Arnie's girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel. Arnie and Debbie had recently moved in with Debbie's family in the house at 3 Oak Grove Road in Brookfield, Connecticut. David joined Arnie and Debbie, along with the rest of their family, to clean and move things in once the family signed the rental agreement on the house. 
While walking through the house to the back bedroom, little David said that an old man appeared out of thin air. The man began pushing and threatening David, and David was understandably terrified. Yeah, I would be too. Can you imagine? No. No. I can't. I'd probably actually literally piss my pants. Yeah. I mean, I say I want to be haunted, but I, if I was an 11-year-old, I would not want to be haunted. No, no. <laughs> David obviously told everyone what he had seen, and they thought that he was just using the sighting of the old man as a way to get out of helping his sister move her stuff into her new bedroom. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe that there was an old man, and they. I definitely understand how they could just be like, okay, where is this old man, David? Like, what are you talking about, David? Right. You're 11 years old. You probably just want to get out of helping, David. Ew, David. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of checks out. Like, he's a little kid. He's mm-hmm. probably making shit up, right? Mm-hmm. David was super, super scared, and he told Debbie and Arnie that the old man promised that he would hurt them if they moved into the house. He warned them that this was a bad idea, but of course, the whole family ignored him because one, they just signed a lease, and two, he's a little kid that's probably making shit up. Mm -hmm. The following days, David began to have really weird visions, sort of like daydreams. He saw a large beast, demonic in nature, who muttered to him in what he described as Latin. How the hell does an 11-year-old know what Latin sounds like? I don't know. Especially in Connecticut in the 80s. They didn't teach that in school. It's so weird. He knew somehow that this old man had taken the form of a beast and he was the one that was threatening him. The beast threatened David, telling him that he would steal his soul. David again tried to tell his family that he was being harassed by this old demon man and Once again, they didn't believe him. The family did, however, hear strange and unexplainable noises coming from just kind of all over in the house. The family would hear footsteps and floorboards creaking specifically in the attic and specifically at night. Sometimes they also described it as sort of like things were just moving around up there, Mm -hmm. but no one was up there, so it was very strange like chipmunk scratching probably identical (laughs) yeah like they were like this there might be a chipmunk up there maybe it's trying to get into our snake bedding i don't know (laughs) but of course why would they ever check those things out they were just Mm. sort of like that's really weird and moved on Mm. i personally would i don't know call an exterminator because that would be my first thought yeah or call the fucking cops or something or just check it out once yeah go up there one time just once. one time you live in this house <laughs> yeah. go there one yeah. time also i just have to say that as a person who has lived in haunted houses their whole life i know a demon is different than a ghost but mm-hmm. a house that is haunted in the night is also haunted during the day so it's weird to me that they're only noticing this at night yeah, and not during the day. And then they're just also choosing to flat out ignore it. Like, yeah. if I only hear a noise at night coming from my attic, bam, raccoon. You would think raccoon? Possum. I would think ghost right away. Would you? Yeah. From your house? Oh, from my house. That's ghost. different. My house is haunted. Yeah. Yeah. But like a non-haunted house? I mean, I would at least check it out. I would First. go. I would go up there one time. I mean, a spirit isn't just going to be active only during the spookiest part of the night. Again, I live in a haunted house. My attic is literally haunted. We are in here right now. 
Yeah, I actually just saw something out of the corner of my eye, and it's like five o'clock. Exactly, so. <laughs> dude. Like, why would a demon be like, oh, this family goes to sleep at 11, so I'm going to wait until midnight to do my Zumba classes upstairs and just make sure to really fuck their sleep schedule up. And then it causes a ruckus from like midnight to like 3.30 a.m. because that's what fits the demon's schedule. <laughs> because otherwise it just, I mean, it's taking night classes. Like, let's be honest, it's trying to better itself as a person. Well, it's, yeah, just trying to be a better demon. You got to. I mean, you give me your thoughts on this, but this just feels really like cinematic that things would only be going down at night. Yeah, I think it's definitely probably played up for the movie, but... Uh-huh. I will say that maybe the noises and everything was happening during the night because people tend to get m- more afraid at oh, nighttime. Yeah, and yeah. if the more fear that a person produces, the That's more true. energy the demon oh. or ghost can feed off of. So maybe it was a strategic demon. You know what? You're making you a know? lot of sense. I'm yeah. terrified all the time. So <laughs> yeah, that would make total sense, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Just just a thought that crossed my brain. David's family thought that he was having night terrors, but he was actually being plagued by visits from this demon man. In the movie, The Conjuring 3, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the opening scene is fucking scary, dude, honestly. Yeah. I, mean, I was so stoked for this movie that, because yeah. of that scene. When he's like pretzel David, he like turns. Oh, and... it's so good. It's so and, good. And there's this part where this little boy hears this pounding on his bedroom door in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So he runs to the bathroom and he hides in the shower. We're just like, I won't give it away, but wackiness ensues. Yeah. Okay. And the movie is pretty new. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's easily the scariest part of the movie. Hell yeah. Demon David was the scariest part. Of that movie, the entire movie. Just watch, like, the first opening scene and then just don't watch anything else. It was actively scary. Yeah. Yeah. But then David was having these... He was having all these nightmares and, like, night terrors and stuff. But then he started getting kind of freaky in the daytime. Like, no more isolated night terrors. He began to hiss at people. Oh, okay. He began to growl at animals. Casual. He would quote passages from the Bible... And also, weirdly quote passages from this epic poem called Paradise Lost by John Milton. Have you read this? I have not. Okay. I recommend it, honestly. It's not okay. It's not super long. Like, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably... Have you, have you read it? Yeah, I read it. It's probably just under, like, 300 pages long. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's about Adam and Eve, and then Satan's there, and he's just, like, chilling or whatever. And but Satan's depicted like super cool as like the fallen angel, mm. like like yeah. I read yeah. briefly about it when I was reading the story, just because they obviously mentioned it, but I've never actually read it. It's definitely worth reading. Okay, I think so, especially if you love a good acrostic poem. Which I mean, like who doesn't love one of those? What's an acrostic poem, <laughs> dude? Okay, so an acrostic poem is like Nicole, right? So I would write like uh-huh. a line for N, and then a line for I, and then a line for C. That's how this. Is written? Not the whole thing, but oh. they are sprinkled heavily in there, which is so weird because I feel, I think this poem was written in, like, I want to say the 1600s. Damn. And it is riddled with acrostic poems. All right. Well, yeah. learn something new every day. So if you are into poetry, if you read, like, Homer's Iliad or whatever. Ugh, I love the Iliad. Y- you'd like it. And the Odyssey. I bet you'd like this. Mm. It's It's sort of fun. It's beautiful, epic poetry, and then all of a sudden, it's like, Satan. (laughs) S is for the way you sit near me. (laughs) A, because you're the only apple 
I see. T is very, very terribly satanic. A is for adultery, because let's be honest, you're Satan and you're probably into that sort of shit. And N is noping out of Eden. Are you? I, don't, I think you've already spelled it out. Uh, yeah, are you going to keep going? It's true. Okay. I wanted you to finish Satan. That was least. hard to actually make an acrostic poem about the word Satan. Yeah. So good job, Ben Milton. <laughs> well, I'm glad I stopped you before. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going, so thank you. Got full way through, though, so yeah. kudos. Yeah, so again, it's pretty good. You'd like it if right. you like acrostic poems especially. Let's get back to the boy in the real story here. <laughs> Demon David. Demon David. So he's quoting this epic poem in the Bible, which is unfucking hinge behavior for an 11-year-old boy in the 80s. Yeah. He should be all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and mm. he's all about, like, Jesus for some reason. Yeah, and acrostic poems. Yeah, which is just, like, come the fuck on. <laughs> and then one day, David tells his mom what he sees. He describes this man who has been plaguing him to Judy, which is his mom's name. He says, should I do my little kid voice? Yeah, for sure. Do you go little kid hard. Satan. Okay. <laughs> Satan. I had to get it. <laughs> Mom, is this good? Am I doing it right? That's good. Wait, I like the added good. lisp. I think I always lisp. Uh, I think I just lisp I, in real life because I have a speech impediment. I think you just added it though in there. I liked it. Whoa, okay. All right. Ready? Here we go. Whoa. <laughs> So David says to his mom, Mom, there's this man with got big black eyes, and he's got a thin face with, like, animal features, and he's got jagged teeth, and he's got, uh, he's got pointed ears, and he's got horns, and he's got these hooves, Mom. <laughs> so David says this to his mom. A little kid voice is evolving with each episode. <laughs> I love it. All little kids have lisps. <laughs> So I don't know what animal features he's referring to specifically because I couldn't find that. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like he's going pretty classic, like a Baphomet situation here. Yeah. Hooves and horns and... Yeah, like the devil incarnate, basically. Black Philip. So So David begins to become even more of a loose cannon during the daytime. He starts flying into these rages or he sits in these like weird catatonic states until someone snaps him out of it. Mm-hmm. So he goes between like full rage mode to just being like sitting and like rocking back and forth, which is in itself very unsettling. Very unhinged. Do you ever seen a human being rock back and forth in real life? Uh Probably once. Not that not, nothing comes to mind right off the bat, but it's mildly upsetting <laughs> to see. I can only imagine. <laughs> David also starts getting tons of bruises and scratches all over his body, specifically in hard to reach places like on his back or like mm-hmm. just in like weird places you wouldn't like you can't kind can of be naturally inflicted. Yeah, like it, unless he's like a contortionist or something. Well, in the movie, he is. Spoiler. <laughs> And this seems to come out of nowhere, but he's basically covered in all of these bruises and scratches. When this starts happening, his parents are feeling like maybe it's something more than night terrors going on. Like, this is what Mm. tipped them off. Yeah. Yeah, not the catatonic phases. They were cool with that because at least he was quiet. Not the uh, reciting Bible passages in Latin part. (laughs) No. It was the scratches. Yeah, it was the scratches that really did him in. So they call this Catholic priest because they were Catholic, and that's what you do when you need a house blessed. 
Supposedly, a priest showed up and tried to bless this house with holy water and prayer, but the priest stopped short because he was too scared to continue. Um, you're a priest, sir. Mm-hmm. This is above his pay grade. Call Jesus if you want this shit. <laughs> well. <laughs> he told the family that the house was evil and that they should move out immediately. They also called ghost hunters, but they had no luck finding someone that would come out. The family listened to the priest and decided that they would no longer like to rent this house, which is when shit got way worse. Yikes. With David acting like a wild animal throughout the day and then, I guess, also the nighttime, 12 days later, the family decided to call up Ed and Lorraine Warren to suss out the situation. This is going to be a very hot take because I have many hot takes about the Warrens, Mm, which may get me some enemies, but I don't fucking care. I have a lot of problems with the Warrens and the way that they operate. We chatted about this a little bit in our Amityville Horror episode, which if you haven't listened to, it's all right. You might want to check it out. I will go into my thoughts a little bit later when we discuss the Warrens in detail. Got a lot to say. But I'm very skeptical of them in sort of the way that people are skeptical of Zach Bagans. This is what it reminds me of. Like, it seems too good to be true, especially because money is involved. They were like the Zach Bagans before Zach Bagans. Fully. Yeah. They would have absolutely had a travel channel show. Oh, for sure. Like, without a doubt. Well, I mean, and don't get me wrong, some of those shows are actually pretty good and they don't just scream at ghosts, but... Come at me, ghost! (laughs) But yeah, they would for sure have had a show. Yeah. So anyways, they call up the famous demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren to look at their son. When Lorraine, who is a clairvoyant, which I will say I do believe... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. First meets David. She says that a black mist materialized next to the boy, and she was firmly convinced that this was an evil presence. David's family told the Warrens that they had seen David look like he was being choked at times, but there were obviously no hands around his throat. He would, like, throw himself up against the wall and, like, kind of, like, be suffocating. And Jeez. his mom's like, David, I told you, you're in timeout, honey. I don't know what you think you're doing, but it's not very cute. Stop faking the choking, David. Ew, David. <laughs> he also appeared to have been beaten, and his parents were like, wasn't me. I'd let you know if it was. Sometimes he would get thrown against walls or just, like, fully across rooms Jeez. out of nowhere. And then the scratches and then the bruises. And then he would speak in this weird disembodied voice that seemed to come from like his second set of vocal cords deep down in his throat. Mm. And then he was vomiting pea soup all the time while his head spun around. And Mm. it was just sort of like, wow. Wrong movie. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's the wrong movie there. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) Just kidding on that last part. Did I ever tell you that one time um, I was sleeping and I like woke up and you know when you first wake up you're kind of like groggy and yeah like not fully awake don't know what's going on mm-hmm. and uh a voice came out of my throat that wasn't mine what mm-hmm. i never told you this no it was so fucking weird did you s- were you trying to speak or did it just come out it of just you? came out of me my mouth <gasps> didn't move so you have like a second set of vocal cords you have yeah. like your main like like voice box situation and yeah. then you have like a lower set of vocal cords okay. which is what from what I've read 
about channeling spirits through your own body uh-huh. because I have a fear of it. So I read about how to do it. So I know how to specifically not do that. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> of course. Um, so you want to like get them connected to like your second set of vocal cords, yeah. which like is like deep down inside your larynx or like your throat or whatever. Uh-huh. Right. So I was laying in bed and this was when I lived at my mom's house about, I don't know, maybe like five-ish years ago, mm-hmm. less than that. Mm-hmm. And I was laying in bed and I woke up and it was pretty early in the morning. And my mouth was just like open and my tongue didn't move. My lips didn't move. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was speaking. Yeah. It was just this voice that came out of me and I felt it like roll up my throat and it went, no. But like in a voice I can't even mimic. Was it deep? It was really scary. It was deep. I have a I have a pretty deep voice, like Ah. just in general, like for a woman or whatever. Um, well, thank you. You don't have like a demon deep voice. No, 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 I don't. It was a voice I cannot physically do because I tried really, really hard to replicate it. I mean, I love an accent. I love a character. I love a bit. (laughs) I don't know if you guys knew that about me. Yeah, I think we can come to that conclusion. Yeah, you can kind of, uh, get to that assumption here. Right. I tried so fucking hard, Nicole, to replicate this voice. I can hear it in my head right now. And I couldn't fucking do it. So did you like, were you startled by the fact that you just spoke out of your Uh throat and you didn't actually speak? Yeah, it was super fucking weird. And I remember laying there and being like, did that just happen? So against my own better judgment, I was like, is someone here with me right now? You did. Because my parents' house is hella haunted. Yeah. Like you think this house is haunted? Holy shit, I'm actively afraid of the ghost in their house. Wow. What did um, what happened? So I said, like, is someone here with me right now? Mm-hmm. And I shit you fucking <gasps> not. My bedroom door moved. No. Mm-hmm. Let's do a seance in your old room. Not a fucking chance, bro. <laughs> Not a fucking chance. Come on. I'll bring my pendulum. No. My no. pendulum mat. No. I'll ask a question. No. 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 We'll light candles. No, no, It'll no, be no. fun. We'll bring crystals this for is, protection. Like, I'll do that here for funsies because, like, the ghost here is, like, sweet lady. Yeah. I would never. I am actively afraid of the ghost in that house. No. Mm-hmm. Shit. In the house I grew up in. Wow. It's fucking terrifying. So I don't know what it was or anything. I can't believe I ever told you that. Never told me that. It was horrifying. (laughs) I was so scared. (laughs) It was scary. Wow. So David's doing this whole disembodied voice thing, and it's also freaking him out because a normal person would be freaked out by it. I know you'd like it, but (laughs) I wouldn't like it, and I didn't like it, and neither did David. So the Warrens are like, okay, we got to get a priest and we have to do an exorcism because the Warrens love an exorcism. Yeah, you got to. The problem, though, is that it's super hard to get the Catholic Church to sign off on an exorcism. Yeah. They deny that it works as a whole. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of legal things, too. I mean, obviously, you have to make sure it's not a mental illness first. Right. Which a lot of the times, I mean, like we've discussed in our exorcism episodes, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times back in the day, it was just... Right. Yeah. So not great. Not It's not great. So it's super, super hard to get an official exorcism 
sanctioned by the church. Mm -hmm. And the Warrens were not official members of the Catholic Church. So it was especially hard for them. And the church was like, no, thank you. We don't know you. Not going to happen. It took a bit of time, but they did find a priest that was willing to help them and kind of go around the little inner church laws, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's still debated whether or not an actual exorcism took place just because of the fact that the church never officially sanctioned it and there's no, like, paperwork or anything. Right. So it's sort of like a hearsay situation. But the Warrens say that they did and they have Mm -hmm. recordings and there was priests there that say that they were there. So, yeah, probably. It, It happened, I would say. Yeah. And Ed Warren really, really pushed for it. He said that not only was David demonically possessed, but he had a total of 43 demonic spirits attached to him. Oddly specific. Which just sounds like a bad fucking time. <laughs> like exhausting. Yeah. There's one person inside my body right now and I am exhausted all the time. Imagine 43. I can't even. I fucking can't, can't even. Can't do it. I couldn't find if they finally got approval from the church, but I would like to assume that they didn't because it makes the whole thing just a little more like saucy and naughty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So David receives his first exorcism. Classic stuff, just like your run-of-the-mill exorcism. We got the holy water. We got the prayer. We got the little rosary beans, whatever. <laughs> the first one was very uneventful, but... There will be more than one here. During the first one, he just did, like, he was spitting a lot. Um, he was sort of, like, swearing. Just just a little, like, light wickedness. Nothing mm-hmm. super cool. Mm-hmm. But later that night, David starts having convulsions and spasms. So much so that his family would make sure that one of them was always awake and watching David at all times to make sure he didn't die in his sleep. Right. Because he was so violent about the way he would contort his body. And like, I don't know, maybe bite his own tongue off or something? Yeah, just like, whatever, like stuff like that. So they called the Warrens back and they performed two additional, quote-unquote, lesser exorcisms. Minor exorcisms? Yeah. Hmm. This time, things were way fucking cooler. Lorraine claimed that David levitated at one point right off of the table that he was laying on. She said he spoke in a very deep voice, and he was hissing, he was spitting, he growled at them, he growled at the priest. He had to be physically restrained from thrashing around and leaping off of this table. Jeez. Lorraine also said that at one point, David stopped breathing, and everything went very, very calm, like he had died. Then he immediately snapped back awake, and he predicted a murder that would happen at the hands of Arnie Johnson. Spoiler alert from Demon David. Mm, Spoiler. Things got super, super aggressive on the last of the three exorcisms. I have a little audio I'd like to play. Please do. If you don't mind. It's very creepy, so. Okay, so this is real audio that the Warrens recorded from the exorcism of David Glatzel. David, I'm going to Jesus repels you. Leave this child alone. Father and the son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You got something about me, told me to. 
So I found that on YouTube. It is real recording, like real audio from the Warrens. They released it. Mm -hmm. There's music behind it. So that's sort of annoying. It makes it feel like more cinematic. But that's real audio. And the laugh is what really gets me, Yeah, it's the laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's so creepy. So for right now, we're going to put a very frustrating pin in this. And Nicole is going to give us a little bit of a lowdown on Arnie and what happens next, and then we'll come back to David. So while these exorcisms were taking place, David's older sister, Debbie, was terrified, and she invited her 19-year-old boyfriend, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, to come stay with her while these exorcisms were going on. Oh, Arnie Cheyenne Cheyenne. Johnson. Love a man with a feminine middle name. Oh, and it's just, it's the most beautiful one, Cheyenne. Cheyenne. At the time, Arnie was a very hard worker. He was working as a landscaper, cutting trees. And Arnie was described by Ed Warren as an all-American boy. He loved sports and fishing, and he was really into baseball and had many awards and trophies from playing baseball. Lorraine described Arnie as a compassionate young man who never showed any signs of being a violent person. She said he was a perfect gentleman and a beautiful person with tremendous respect for the priests. Arnie would come home from a long day's work and help Debbie and her family take care of David and to help basically just control him because at this point he was acting like an animal, growling, hissing. Yeah, just being like fucking off, off the chain. Unhinged. David one time even broke his mother's nose during a fit and he chased his mother and grandmother around with a knife. It was just like a little knife, though. He was so he was a lot to handle. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Arnie would even have David sleep next to him so that David's parents could get some sleep and would have some time off from watching the boy. Arnie was present at one of the exorcisms, and like they show in the movie, in order to protect David and also probably impressed Debbie, yeah, too. Arnie told the demon to let go of the little boy and enter him instead. Arnie screamed, take me on. Leave my little buddy alone. Oh, that's such a nice... I know. That's so cute. Basically, he was just challenging the demons. And at this time, the Catholic priests were already involved. So by then, there were six priests involved, and three of them were even ordained and taught from the Vatican. Wow. Yeah. They got that Vatican education. (laughs) Ed and Lorraine had warned Arnie not to do this. Ed stating, it's just one of those things you never do. Not if you know anything about this sort of thing, which I think even if you don't know anything about this sort of thing, maybe just don't invite demons into your body. No, like unless it's like Thirsty Thursday and you're like, what's up? I would say maybe don't. Just be like, come at me, demons. (laughs) You know, just like a word of advice. Don't yell, come at me, demons. It's it's pretty straightforward. Don't invite evil demons. No. spirits into your body common sense mm-hmm. well arnie obviously did not listen to the warrens and instead invited david's demons all 43 of them 
inside his own body. I go to church every goddamn Sunday. You gonna invite 43 demons inside of me? I'm gonna bring all 43 of them out. God, that's a fucking party. Before this story was made into, in my opinion, a terrible movie. <laughs> Arnie's story was featured on the show A Haunting, which I don't know if you've ever watched Mm-mm. the show. What? No. Oh my God, it's so creepy. It used to be on TLC, but I think now it's on the Discovery Channel, which okay. Discovery, the travel channel, it's the basically just like a paranormal channel at this point, yeah. because really all they have is just ghost shows and Bigfoot shows, uh-huh. which I'm not mad about. Oh no, I'm here for it. But it's like a... A weird turn for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, according to the account given on the show A Haunting, Arnie was attacked by a demon a couple of days after he gave these beings permissions to enter his body. Allegedly, the demon took control of Arnie's car while he was driving and made him crash into a tree. Arnie, thankfully, made it out unharmed. Arnie and Debbie decided it was best to move out of the rental property and away from the madness. But at this point, it was already too late as Arnie was already experiencing the same type of symptoms David had gone through. He was going in and out of trance-like states and even started to growl, saying he saw a beast and he had wild hallucinations, but would later not remember any of it. Yeah, it's sort of problematic. It's a big problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if my boyfriend's like... Sometimes I see a beast. Sometimes I just, like, sometimes he just growls at me and, like, pass me the cornflakes. And he growls. That's unacceptable. Like, that's where I draw the line. It's a red flag. To be honest. It is a red flag. Mm -hmm. It is a red flag. Ladies, if your man is growling at you, (laughs) I'm just, it's a red flag. Dump him. Dump him. Arnie returned to the rental property Debbie's family was still living in to visit a well on the property that the demon was apparently living in. Okay. And according to Arnie, he made eye contact with this evil spirit at the well, and after that, he was full-on possessed. Okay, so it's a real ring situation. Yeah. Well, this is the story he gave in the show, A Haunting. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I guess they left the well part out for the conjuring, but whatever. So, I guess there's some dispute exactly how the demon entered him, whether it was during the exorcism or at this well. I'm not sure, but the point is, is that the demon was now fully attached to Arnie. Or I guess demons, all 43 of them. It was a well, actually. (laughs) According to the Warrens, there was a lot of concern for Arnie after this. The priest talked to him after the exorcism, fearing that he might have the demons attached to him. Which, spoiler, he did. Spoiler, there were 43 of them. According to Ed Warren, after one of the exorcisms, Ed went to the house because I one of the exorcisms was done in a convent, I guess. I think this was like the first one. Okay. So while everyone was at the convent, Ed went back to the house and he sprinkled some holy water throughout and he sprinkled some holy water on a rocking chair in a room. And when he sprinkled the holy water on this rocking chair, it started to rock back back and forth violently and then loud pounding sounds started to come from within the house and he said that he could hear growling coming from down the cellar do you know the lore behind a rocking chair i I will Mm. not let a rocking chair in my house 
No. Well, you know the, I'm super crazy superstitious. You are very superstitious. I will not let a rocking chair in my house. Why? So if you have a rocking chair yeah. and you like, you, you know, like you touch it or whatever and it like starts rocking. Mm-hmm. If you are rocking an un, like an unfilled, unoccupied rocking chair, you yeah. are inviting a spirit to rock in that chair. No. Yep. Really? Oh, yeah. Damn, I need to buy a rocking That's chair. That's like a old, oh, you're so fucking scary. <laughs> That's like a old like. Oh, Lord, there, dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never, ever rock a rocking chair unless you are sitting in it. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to start rocking every no. rocking chair I see now. No. Also, I'm picturing Ed walking around with, like, an old Windex bottle that he emptied out. Like, he'd used all <laughs> of it to, like, clean his windows. Mm-hmm. And now it's got holy water in it. And he's just like, spritz, 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 spritz everywhere. Because, honestly, that's probably the most effective way. Yeah. But he wrote, whole, like, he ripped off the Windex label and mm-hmm. wrote holy water in permanent Sharpie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, over, like, the label that's kind of on there. Yeah. But he, like, mostly ripped like it off. Like, the white, yeah. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. Lorraine hates it. She's like, this is not my aesthetic. What are you doing? She just wants a label maker for Christmas. It's but all he sh- won't give her one. He won't give her one. And, honestly, it's been on the list for years. <laughs> Lorraine said that as soon as her and Ed got involved with the case... She just automatically knew that there was going to be a tragedy. Because remember, she's clairvoyant. Lorraine even notified the police before anything ever happened that there might be a murder. But there was really nothing that they could do except for just watch the family. But no one ever really thought that the tragedy would involve Arnie. Except Demon David, who had predicted it. Mm Mm-hmm. The Warrens claim they had several psychiatrists look at David, who told them point blank that David was not mentally ill. They say that because of all of the things happening in the house, the furniture moving around, the pounding sounds, superhuman strength of David and him speaking in different languages. They just straight up knew that it was a case of demonic possession. Yeah. Because everything is with the Warrens. Yeah. But (laughs) David's mom for a moment was like, do you think it could be ADHD? I think maybe it might be ADHD. <laughs> the priest who performed the exorcism, well, I guess one of them, Father Virgilac, was extremely affected by this case. He not only was viciously attacked during the exorcisms, but the demons also attacked him at his own rectory. Not in the rectory. In the rectory. He got attacked right in the rectory. Mm-hmm. No. Right in the rectory. Hate to see it. (laughs) So hard. Lorraine said that Father Virgilac also awoke one morning to find his pillow covered in blood. It wasn't his own blood, but this blood was meant to try to scare the priest away. And she called this blood an apport, which is, I guess it means that it appeared and then it disappeared. And it was basically just like a demon scare tactic to warn this priest to stay away so it was a freaking sweet demon prank yeah oh yeah totally lorraine hates pranks she would have hated that sick ashton kutcher show punked (laughs) remember that episode where ashton put all that blood on those priest pillows and he was like you're punked i might have missed that one i also have never seen that show so i do not know (laughs) if he yelled you're punked but i'd like to think he would he comes out and he's like you're punked (laughs) Cut to a scene with just, like, priests crying because there's blood all over their pillows. It's like, you're punked, it's me, Ashen Kutcher. <laughs> yeah, I might have missed that episode, but we'll, yeah. we He's go got back. his, like, Van Dutch trucker hat on. <laughs> Classic Ashen. Another one of these A-ports, which is, that's, this is what 
Lorraine called them in the interview that I watched. So another one of these A-ports that occurred to try to scare the family happened to Arnie and Debbie. Arnie and Debbie would sleep on the floor of David's room just to be there if he woke up and somebody needed to control him, which apparently happened a lot. They said one night a green bone-like hand came up through the floor to try to frighten Debbie and Arnie. Oh, and to use their fear as psychic energy to help the being manifest some more. So kind of like I said, maybe that's why they did it at night, because you get yeah. more scared at night. I don't know. Um, That wouldn't scare me. That would be sick, and I would try to high-five it. <laughs> David had recently finished building a model dinosaur, and another crazy cool thing that happened was that this dinosaur that he built suddenly began to walk towards the family and it stopped in front of them and then let out this deep menacingly gruff voice that said you are all going to die <laughs> which you're all gonna die can we just think about it for a second a plastic toy Aww. dinosaur comes walking up to you and your family and then this voice just comes out of it i don't think i'd be scared I would probably laugh. Yeah, right? Be like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Demon. It's just like, <laughs> could you pick a different vessel? Because honestly, this is adorable. Right. But it kind of gives me like Amityville vibes. I don't know if you remember when they had that lion uh-huh. statue and that, they like, said that that him. thing moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe the Warrens say that these tactics are just used to scare the family in order to feed off their fear. But... I don't know if I'd be afraid of a plastic dinosaur yelling at me. I don't know if I would. No. No. The demons that plagued David would also tell him things. They told him that Arnie was going to fall out of a tree, which he did. And it's actually also depicted in the movie. I think he, like, drops a chainsaw or something. He, like, has a chainsaw, like, tied to his waist, and then he, like, drops it. And everyone's like, David! Or Arnie! Everyone's like, Arnie, what the fuck? And he's like, sorry, guys, I just dropped my chainsaw. It was tied to my waist. And then he falls. Yeah. I don't fucking well, know. Well, David, Demon David predicted that also. What? Did he predict him that it would be a box office flop? <laughs> he did, actually. What? Demon no! David saw that coming, no! too. He said, warning, don't make it. <laughs> Ed said, at first, he thought that there was just the one devil. But then he said that once he met David and was in the house, he saw 43 flashes of different demonic faces flash before his eyes. And I guess he decided to count all of them. And that's how he knew that there were specifically 43. Every time I see a face, I count. (laughs) Every human I have ever seen, I have counted. Right. Got to. It's death, of course. Why would you not? According to the Warrens, David was possessed by these demons because his mom and sister were fooling around with witchcraft. Okay, well, first off, don't fucking malign witchcraft because honestly, it's very cool and like they you're malign welcome. everything. It's what they do. Well, David's mom and sister apparently met a group, and this is all this is straight out of the Warrens' mouth. So right. Apparently, they met a group in upstate New York while they were snowmobiling, and this group was into satanic activities. Scare quotes around that one. Mm -hmm. These people apparently then turned on Judy Glatzel, and then the demonic activity started. Mm. This is what the Warrens say, which I guess is somewhat how they try to spin it in the movie. Yeah, they kind of do a little bit. But, yeah. But we've talked about the Warrens before, and our thoughts and i just want to say that there is a 
huge mm-hmm. religious bigotry in all of their investigations. Everything always boils down to Satanism yep. and witchcraft yep. and painting those beliefs as something bad and evil, which is definitely not always the case. No, dude. It's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. It honestly is. They're so narrow-minded, which again, yeah. I'm sorry if this is like a hot take to some of you, but this is... yeah. This is the fucking truth, okay? They only see things one way. There is one yep. path that's golden, and it is through Christianity how they see fit. And it is mm-hmm. demons are evil, witchcraft is evil, all of this stuff that they're calling a cult or whatever the fuck is on, like, the wrong side yeah. of this golden path that they follow. And the Warrens are so just blinded by Catholicism and demons and the God is good. Every like path is through God and stuff. But the fact that the Warrens cannot see anything outside of their own little bubble of Jesus is good, demon is bad. It's just very frustrating to me. Everything is good or bad. There's no in between to them. Everyone who is a Satanist does not fucking sacrifice little baby animals. No, I'm not a Satanist and I do that all the time. So it doesn't even line (laughs) up. That's not, that's not, you can't malign all like, like you said before, that that's what, that's their whole thing though. And that's what they do. And I think Ed and Lorraine get a lot of praise and recognition in the field. I think it's undeserved. I mean, just because they were the most popular uh-huh. they were the couple to bring this type of thing into the mainstream yep. Yep. but when it comes to role models for paranormal investigators yeah ed and lorraine are probably the worst role models i can think of yeah i agree and also i just want to backtrack on that i do not sacrifice baby animals i don't even really eat animals so i was just making a joke yeah yeah we know, we know okay. you don't i had to say it though because then i felt instantly guilty well also there are a lot of cases where family members have criticized ed and lorraine for just showing up mm-hmm. taking pictures and making the case worse by publicizing it and then just making their money off of it and leaving and then the family is there to pick up the pieces yeah dude they're like grifters yeah <laughs> they are grifters well, I mean, taking this case, for example, they co-wrote a book about it, and I watched an interview with them about the case, and afterwards, they plug their services, and they encourage people to write to them. Yeah, they're like, we have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Ed and Lorraine Warren Demonologist, you can subscribe <laughs> to our tiers. Um, we have bonus content on there all the time. Please leave us rate, review, subscribe. Well, that's okay, but a big thing with the Warrens was that they charged for their investigations, mm-hmm. which today is a huge no-no in the paranormal community. Mm-hmm. And just with the fact that everything that they encounter is always a demon, it's extremely driven by religion. And like you said, they have tunnel vision when it comes to investigating. Yeah, and got a lot of mixed feelings on the Warrens. Let's just put it that way. Like like a lot. But enough about the Warrens because, I mean, we could go on well, for, just, for just, days. Just one more oh, we thing. Oh, we have one, one, more, one thing. more thing. If you guys do want to talk about the Warrens, this is Noelle talking, by the way, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um if you do want to talk about the Warrens, whether you want to, like, you're pro-Warren, like, anti-Warren, or mm-hmm. I guess down the middle on a Warren. Mixed, yeah. I want to personally know. So I don't know. You guys can either DM to the Quite Unusual podcast, and I'll just, like, filter through those. Or honestly, hit me up on my own Instagram. I want to fucking talk about your feelings on the Warrens. Because I'm <laughs> genuinely interested in what people think we about this. We should those. do a Facebook post <gasps> people give their... We should. I'm so interested to see. Because mm-hmm. I know my whole just like psychobabble rant is going to trigger people. Anyways, 
Enough about the Warrens. Let's get to the fun part. Okay. The murder. Remember that little murder that our sweet baby boy David, the demon shell, predicted? Mm, yes. Well, great news. It was, in fact, Arnie who he predicted would commit it. And it was, in fact, Arnie who did commit it. David and his little demon companion should play the lottery. Ooh, Demon David would be so good at the oh lottery. God. Imagine Demon David, okay, and they're like doing scratch-offs like outside of the 7-Eleven and then they look at each other and they're like, we both just won. And then they go to a casino together, mm-hmm. okay. They put $2 million on black. Everyone's like, you're <laughs> fucking nuts, you guys. What are you doing? On black, it's been red the last 18 times. Demon and David look at each other in the eye. They give like a hearty little wave. <laughs> Demon and David. <laughs> So they put it all in black. They win big. I'm picturing them jumping in the air together and it like freeze frames at the high five, like the zenith of it. There's money going all around. There's a siren going off in the bag. People are like, oh my God, this is so exciting. That's just what I picture for Demon David. Wouldn't it be great if demons always weren't so bad and they weren't just like so hung up with like possessing oh, you yeah. but it could actually just help you and like yeah. like you said win the lottery oh my god how cute or, like, would that be pick a slot machine at a I casino as like that one's gonna hit it big next mm-hmm. and then the two of you could just like live together peacefully in the same body and be rich because the demon would just predict everything yeah oh my god totally and that randy newman song from toy story plays <laughs> is like you got a friend in me and you're like trying to pull like one like slot machine yeah. and the demon's like no 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 and it like catapults you across the casino like, you're gonna play this ace ventura that's, slot machine that's instead right like instead of throwing you against the wall because it's angry it mm-hmm. like drags you by your feet like kicking and yeah. screaming across the casino and it like puts your hand on this slot machine and it's like trust me friend and you win big and you pull it. it's like you got a friend <laughs> in me that's so nice see that's that's like the ideal, but demons just always want to take your soul. Oh, honestly, one track mind. Yeah. Like, can we get a positive demon? No, there hasn't been a one in history. I'm so upset by it. Me too. I'm so upset. Me too. <laughs> that was very wildly fun. off track. <laughs> it was very fun. But let's get back to the story. At the time, a little less than a year after the whole demon transfer situation went down. Debbie and Arnie decided to move out of Debbie's parents' house, like you had said earlier, so they get this swinging love shack of their own. They move into an apartment near Debbie's work. The apartment is owned by her employer. Debbie is working in the same town as her parents, Brookfield, Connecticut, so they're super close to home. Mm -hmm. And she's working at a dog grooming place slash kennel owned by a man named Alan Bono, Sonny Bono's nephew. No, that's, that, no okay. that's not true. <laughs> I was like, I didn't read that, but maybe. No, that's not true. But I bet he also believed in life after love, just like his Aunt Cher taught him. <laughs> At the time, Arnie, like you said, is working as a tree trimmer, just falling out of trees left and right, uh, for a landscaping service called Right Tree Service. In the movie, they depict the apartment being attached to the grooming place, like the kennel. Yeah. But I wasn't able to confirm that. I could not find an address for this location. Yeah. So I don't know if it was true or false. I only know that Alan Bono also owned the apartment that they were renting. Yeah. So for flavor, we can say that I either it's attached to this kennel or I'd like to think maybe it's like on the same property. Situation. Yeah, I was going to say I would think that is probably within the same area. Yeah, it's like right there. Mm-hmm. After moving into the apartment... Arnie starts acting super weird. He's acting a lot like David, 
which you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's growling. He's hissing. He's going to these weird, like, catatonic phases. He's flying off the handle with rage. He is not quoting any epic poetry, which is very disappointing. That demon wasn't. So he only had 42 of the 43. The Paradise Lost fan demon, I guess. Yeah. Hemingway stayed in David. (laughs) This, he's like, I just, this guy, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the rhythm to get down iambic pentameter and I'm not dealing with it. (laughs) So he's out. So he just went straight back to hell. He's Mm -hmm. like, this is, honestly, it's better there. On February 16th, 1981, Arnie called in sick to work, which was very un-Arnie-like. Arnie went to visit Debbie at the groomers slash kennel, where she worked with Arnie's sister, Wanda, and Debbie's cousin, Mary, who was only nine years old at the time. Oh. Yeah, it was it was 1981, so I think they thought it was cute when children have jobs, but, like, it's actually super problematic. Yeah. Well, she was probably just hanging out with the dogs anyways, you know? Maybe. Just, like, pulling, like, 12-hour shifts and, like, <laughs> six days a week. Right. Alan Bono suggested that everyone go out to lunch at a bar nearby on him. So, of course, they went. They all went to this bar and Alan started drinking heavily because he was pretty much a functioning alcoholic. Hmm. It's like 1 p.m. in the afternoon and he's just getting totally super drunk. Ripping shots. It got to. Amy Carlson style. Got to, dude. In the name of Mother God, got to. <laughs> They all go back to the groomers, and Alan keeps drinking when they get back. He's getting very belligerent by now. He's had a fuck ton of alcohol in the middle of the day. And you know when you day drink and you're also kind of dehydrated because it's probably summer and it's, Mm -hmm. like, really hot out and you're just not feeling it? Yeah. And then you're kind of hungover at, like, 6 p.m.? Yeah, and all you want to do is sleep for, like, seven days. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. Alan Bono's situation right now. Mm. Everyone was super annoyed with him. And he's feeding off of this negative energy of everyone just being pissed off. Debbie tries to get everyone to leave Alan alone and just get Alan to chill out and kind of be by himself and go to sleep. But he's not having it. Everyone was leaving the room. First, it was Wanda and Arnie and then Debbie and then Mary. And as Mary's leaving, Alan Bono grabs this nine-year-old girl and he refuses to let her go. So she's screaming. She's super scared. This guy's hella drunk. She's a little girl. And Arnie comes storming back into the room like a macho man. And he demands that Alan lets Mary go, which rightfully so. Right. I don't know why you're trying to hold on to a nine-year-old girl. No, he's just being like uh, just a drunk drunk asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So Arnie shoves Alan just a little bit which causes him to release his grip on Mary. And Mary runs away and she runs to the car and she waits inside and she's just totally panicking. Debbie gets right in the middle of the situation, seeing that Alan is super crazy drunk and Arnie is super angry. So she is literally standing in between these two shouting men. Like in like a, it's a little Debbie sandwich. (laughs) Is it? It is. I love little 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 Debbie Debbie sandwiches. Yeah, but imagine that the bread is an angry drunk man Mm. and then also an angry demon-possessed man that doesn't even know poetry. Gross. Yeah, it's like the worst possible little (laughs) Debbie you could ever imagine. Yeah, I don't want that little Debbie sandwich. Wanda's there, and she's sort of like hanging in the wings and watching, which, by the way, is where all this information comes from. She gives a statement to the police that was amazing. Wanda? Yeah, super detailed. Wanda tries to get Arnie to just let the whole situation go, begging him to walk away. 
And at one point, she even tries to physically pull him away. Arnie turns to Wanda and he lets out this guttural growl like a wild animal. And this is her brother and it freaks her the fuck out. So she backs up and then Arnie pulls out a knife. It's a five inch pocket knife and he begins to recklessly stab Alan over and over. The women flip out and the only thing that they can think to do is to run away. Which is a very good move. Yeah. So they get out of the way and Arnie is stabbing Alan just over and over. He, Alan falls down. Arnie's on top of him at this point. And the police reports will later say that Alan only suffered five tremendous wounds at the hand of Arnie, but there were tons of little tiny jab wounds as well. Oh, okay. So just five big ones that like, like really did mm-hmm. him in. Like then... five big blows. Okay. Yeah. But tons and tons of little stab wounds. I didn't see an exact number. They give 22 in the movie, but I have a feeling that that's fake. Yeah. Four of the wounds were directly in Alan's chest. And the last one was the worst one. It was across his abdomen, stretching from just under his heart across his stomach. Yeah, that's a hell of a cut to make with a five-inch pocket knife. I mean, five inches is not that long. I mean, if it can fit in your pocket, it's not that long. Yeah. And imagine doing that, the kind of strength it would take to puncture a person's body and drag a knife through their vital organs. Yeah. That's dedication. There's a lot of anger and a lot of like, I would, I mean, you could venture to say there's like 42 demons worth of rage behind that. Yeah. Not 43 though. No, I feel Not enough for 43. No. But 42, yeah. Yeah. With Alan bleeding on the ground and definitely dying, the women ran to the car in fear of being actually murdered and just afraid of the murder that they just witnessed. And Arnie kind of blacks out. So he's got some free time on his hands at this point. He's alone. Um, Everyone around him is dead or gone. And he decides to go for a little walk. He's covered in blood. He's still holding the knife. And he's found two miles away from the dog groomers, just walking down the middle of the street. Casual. A cop picks him up. A a bunch of people saw him and they like went home and they called the police. Yeah. So a cop pulls him over and he's just out of it, like not even paying attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the cop picks him up, puts him in the back, takes his little knife away, and they take him to Bridgeport Correctional Center for holding. They set his bond at $125,000. Mm-hmm. So in real 2021 money, yeah, that is over $360,000. Wow. Okay. It's a pretty, pretty decent bond. Well, he was walking in the middle of the street covered in blood. So. Oh, yeah, but it wasn't his own blood. So it's like, what is this? <laughs> well, it's worse if it's what not his a, own blood. What is he, a priest pillow? Like, who cares? <laughs> a priest pillow. Yeah. <laughs> At the time of the stabbing, Arnie was only 19 years old, and Alan Bono was 40 years old. The community of Brookfield, Connecticut is rocked by this. This is the very first murder on record in the town's almost 200-year history, and the press go absolutely apeshit for this. Of course, it doesn't help that the day after the murder, Lorraine Warren is like, um, yeah, I told you that was going to happen. And she goes, she straight up goes to the Brookfield police station and she says, Arnie was possessed when he committed this crime. Like, point blank, that's exactly what happened. 
and the cops are like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing? (laughs) How do you know anything about this? Ma'am, how did you get in here? Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. You are in the wrong place. (laughs) So Lorraine just goes, like, basically is telling everyone and anyone that she knew this was going to happen and she's not surprised and obviously it was a demon. The Warrens are openly talking about this event and their agent, which is my favorite part of this, Oh, their agent. Their agent is promising that the Warrens will write a tell-all book about this. Of course they will. Once the case is settled. Of course they will. Mm -hmm. After the murder, the media went wild with this case, mostly due in part to the Warrens and their involvement and their claims. The Warrens offered to help with Arnie's defense using the claim, the devil made me do it. Defense lawyer Martin Manella decided to take Arnie's case and traveled to England to meet with lawyers who had been involved with similar cases, citing not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Wasn't there a werewolf case? Was that the... Bill Ramsey that we did? With the Warrens. Yeah, that they, they thought that that was going to be this movie. Oh, Conjuring. Remember when we did yeah. that in Conjuring 3? Like, it was in the works, but nobody knew what story it was mm-hmm. going to be, and people thought it was going to be the Bill Ramsey case. Yeah. But they didn't do it. So I'm wondering if these were the lawyers that they spoke with. Bill Ramsey's lawyers? Yeah. Oh. In England. Well, they used I don't, a similar defense. I don't know about that, but I do know I do know that one of the cases that they used, that they cited, was the case of Michael Taylor. In 1974, Michael Taylor was living in West Yorkshire, England, working as a butcher. Michael said that he felt an evil within him, and an exorcism was performed to rid Michael of these demons. Priests performed an all-night exorcism and claimed that they got rid of several demons residing in Michael. However, they said that three demons still remained. Insanity, murder, and violence were still apparently stuck in him. Wow. Uh, Those sound like the worst demons to still have stuck in you. Yeah. Those seem like the most important ones to rid a person of. So not sure why they decided to leave those. Yeah. Like, we got rid of the Teletubbies. You're good. (laughs) All four of them are gone. This this poem demon that he just, like, loves poems. He's out. He's super out. (laughs) Super out. Um, Michael Jackson, not in there anymore. (laughs) So you don't have to worry about moonwalking all over the place. But bad news, um, insanity, murder, and violence are, they have like a really long lease and like we don't want to break it on them because it's so <laughs> rude to evict someone before their lease is up. So they're just going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Because later, Michael brutally murdered his wife, Christine, at their home. He attacked her with his bare hands. He tore her eyes and her tongue out. What? And practically just straight up tore her face off. Dude, that's some bath salt shit. Yeah. Michael then strangled the family poodle. <gasps> no! I know. And he was found naked in the streets, covered in Christine's blood. Are you ever fully naked if you're covered in your wife's blood? Mm, that is a question. <laughs> I can't answer that. I also can't answer that. <laughs> Michael was acquitted on the grounds of insanity and was sent to Broadmoor Hospital for two years then he spent another two years in another hospital before being released. 
And ever since the case, Michael has been in and out of prison and different hospitals as he is still exhibiting signs of mental illness, or I guess some would suggest demonic possession. I mean, does he still have those three roommates? Because if he does... Well, I don't... I didn't find anywhere that they got him out, so... Problematic. They're still living with him. The plan for the defense was to plea not guilty by virtue of possession, and Manella, the defense attorney, was fully prepared to fly in exorcism specialists from Europe and also to subpoena the priests who oversaw David's exorcisms. But according to the Warrens, the priests were already waiting and ready outside the courtroom, and they agreed to testify to anything in this case. Wow. This case was actually the first case in U.S. history where demonic possession, where they tried to use demonic possession as a defense tactic. And since it was also 1981... It was the start of satanic panic, and the defense thought that they might actually have a case. Judge Robert Callahan, however, did not accept this plea, and he rejected it on the basis that there was just a lack of evidence. Despite having the Warren's recordings, eyewitness accounts, and testimonies from the priests involved, the judge would not allow this evidence to be brought forth in the courtroom. The judge argued that the evidence and defense was irrelative and unscientific, and he refused to allow any testimony related to demonic possession. So instead, the defense opted to go with the argument that Arnie Johnson acted in self-defense. Probably should have been their first move. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Because of this new strategy, the jury was legally forbidden from considering anything related to demonic possession as a viable explanation for the defense's reasoning in the killing. Imagine, you're on a jury, and they're like, this guy was possessed by a demon. And then the next day, they're like, okay, remember all the demon stuff? Um, right. Kind of keep it on the DL. We're not going to take it into account. Just forget you heard all of it. Yeah. No fucking way would I be able to forget any of it. I was actually curious, and I couldn't find, but I was curious on how they chose the jury because obviously everyone heard about this story. It was the headlines, the devil made me do it, literally. Uh So I don't know how they found, I mean, maybe they took people from a town, the next town over, but... I don't know how they would have found a jury of people to not Mm -hmm. know about this and just always have that in the back of their minds, but couldn't really find any information on that. Arnie's trial began on October 28th, 1981 in Connecticut's Superior Court in Danbury. After hearing all the evidence presented, the jury deliberated for 15 hours over the course of three days before coming to the verdict of first-degree manslaughter on November 24th, 1981. Wow, they're only pulling five-hour days? Must be nice. Right, yeah. I mean, it only really took them a month to convict him, too, which is kind of shocking. Super short. Arnie Johnson was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison for the murder of Alan Bono. Arnie served five years and was released on good behavior in 1986. While in prison, Arnie was considered to be a model prisoner and even earned his high school diploma while incarcerated. He did struggle through the English literature poetry courses that he was taking, (laughs) but that was not his fault. Yeah, he just wasn't into it. No. No one inside of him was into it either, so. (laughs) While in prison, Arnie married Debbie Glatzel in 1984, 
and together they had two sons. Well, I bet that was her dream wedding. Right. Like you couldn't wait five years? It's all, oh. It was only five years. Yeah. And then they got, yeah, he was out in two after whatever, whatever. Arnie and Debbie remained married until Debbie's actually very recent passing from cancer, just months before the movie was released, actually. Oh, wow. That's sad. Yeah. So if you watch the movie, it says they're still married mm-hmm. because they were still married. Oh. But she actually just recently passed. So. Rip. Ed and Lorraine stated that Arnie was no longer possessed by a demonic energy, though no more exorcisms, well, actually, no exorcisms were performed on him. So I'm not really sure how, Yeah, like, demons don't just really release the people that they have hold over. So, like, I'm bored. Right? You're in prison now. I don't want uh, your soul. What are you, mopping? So Again? <laughs> oh, it's so boring. Right. I don't get that part. The movie tries to explain it away with the fact that this particular demon or uh, curse, as they like to also say, was satiated by the murder. So then it left. No, I don't understand it. Whatever. There's really, they don't give a reason for it that I could find on the internet. Yeah. Ed was just like, it's gone. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. According to Ed, he says, possession doesn't last 24 hours a day. It comes quickly and it leaves quickly. Then why do you even have to do exorcisms? Right, exactly. If it just goes away, if it's like a pimple and like it runs its course <laughs> right. and leaves, like why even treat it? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense. He continues, Arnie understands what happened to him. He now knows if something happens, how to ward it off, and he won't be stupid enough to take on the devil again. He probably just drinks holy water instead of like tap <laughs> water. water. Yeah. In 2007, the middle Glatzel child, Carl Glatzel, who is actually not mentioned in the movie, mm-hmm. well, he came out and made claims that the Warrens fabricated the entire story and simply just used it to gain fame and money off of this poor family. Um, I believe it. And also, I was reading that Carl really came out as sort of like like a champion for his brother, mm-hmm. which is amazing to me. Right. Carl says that his brother David was just extremely mentally ill at the time, and that the Warrens capitalized on this by claiming demonic possession And he said the Warrens told his parents that they could make them millionaires if they agreed to the story. But instead of fame and fortune, Carl's childhood was just a living hell. Oh, remember when they did that to the family from Amityville Horror? Yep. Yeah. Mm. I'm not seeing a trend here. A lot of similarities. So crazy. In 2006, when the book about the family's story, The Devil in Connecticut, was reprinted. David and Carl Glatzel sued the author, Mm -hmm. the William Morris Agency that owned the publishing rights, and Lorraine Warren, because at that time, Ed had already passed. They sued them for violating their privacy, libel, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. But the lawsuit was dismissed. That's very disappointing. Yeah. Carl claimed that the publicity surrounding his family, brought on by the Warrens, forced him to drop out of school, lose friends, and also business opportunities. In 2007, he actually began writing his own book about the events that took place called Alone Through the Valley, which he has yet to finish because I could not find it online. No? No. It was pretty sad. Such, like, a, such a middle child thing to do. Right. And I say that as a middle child. <laughs> yeah. 
Arnie and Debbie, however, say that Carl is basically just full of it and that he just wants to make money by suing the Warrens. David, who is now a grown-up, sides with Carl and believes the story of demonic possession to be a bunch of bullshit. And, I mean, this is probably why the lawsuit was thrown out, but when it comes down to it, the family did sign off on the book before it went to print, and they were even given $2,000 for their involvement. I wonder how much money they made off of it. I know, right? Versus what they gave them. Yeah. I couldn't find that, but I'm sure it's probably peanuts to what they made. Oh, yeah. So as in the Amityville case, we really don't know what to believe. Was Arnie possessed, or was he just acting in self-defense? Was David mentally ill, or was he possessed by 43 demons? Mm. There are a lot of possibilities and differing opinions for those involved, so we honestly really can't say what happened. No. No, but I'm going to say, I will say this, okay? If he was possessed, 43 just seems like the right amount of demons to possess a child. Mm, yeah. yeah. 44 too much. 43 It's yeah. just right. Uh-huh. It's like, a, it's like a Goldilocks situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For like, sure. 43 demons would have fit inside that tiny child. Right. Well, that was a wild story. And it honestly, in my opinion, varied heavily from the movie. I mean, the overall yeah. arching themes were the same. Right. I think the store, like the general yeah. possession story was kind of the same. But I think it was a better story than the movie. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I got a lot of thoughts on that movie that this isn't a movie podcast. So, yeah. Lo- I mean, like I said, not fan of the not a fan of the Conjuring universe. Yeah. But I love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga together. Their chemistry is. Oh, my God. They're so cute. Also, amazing. did you did you notice in the movie um, all of her skirts or like vests or whatever, all the plaids she was wearing? He yeah. was wearing like a tie of the same. Was plaid. he? Yeah. So cute. What a fun costuming detail. That is pretty cute. Yeah, really fun. I do love them together. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a listener mail for this week? We sure do. All right. This week's listener mail comes from a friend of the pod, Miss Michelle. Hi, Michelle. She says, hello, Nicole and Noelle, exclamation point, smiley face emoji. (laughs) I'm currently working through your older episodes. Just wrapped up St. Anne's Retreat podcast this evening. I love them all. Black heart emoji. Thank you. These are a few paranormal stories that you'll love that happened to not only me, but also my younger sister and my oldest cousin in a house my sister and I lived in way back in the year of our Lord, 1978. (laughs) We only lived there for one year, and that was probably a good thing because girls... We are all convinced that that house was flipping haunted. Love it. She has some really good stories. You ready? Mm -hmm. Strap it in, girl. The family room was downstairs, and one evening while my parents and sister were watching TV, I went upstairs to take a bath. Nothing out of the ordinary until I glanced in the mirror across from the tub, and I saw the reflection of a hand pushing at the door. No one was upstairs except me. After that, I ran past the bathroom every time I had to pass it, which was a lot. (laughs) My room was at the end of the hall, and the bathroom was near the front of the hall. I drew a picture, too, which she did, which if you want to look at it, I'll show it to you right now. Okay. (laughs) Um, Don't judge. I can't draw for shit. Years later, my younger sister told me that on Christmas Eve, she woke up and she saw a shadow in the hallway. Her bed faced the door, and we slept with our room doors open. 
being a little kid, she figured it was Santa Claus and she didn't think oh, any more of it. Oh my gosh. I know how cute. It was Sinister Claus. Right. My sister and I made up a game where we would play in the family room slash lower level where one of us would chase the other around the area, moaning over and over, bloody murder, bloody murder. <laughs> <laughs> it was creepy AF, but I was eight years old and she was six years old. That sounds like some shit me and my siblings would have done too. Oh, so. fully. <laughs> and nothing up until then would have ever given us an inkling about such things, considering how sheltered we were in a lot of ways. But yes, bloody murder, bloody murder. <laughs> Never played it again once we moved out of that house. Oh. Now, to my cousin's tale. Years and years later, I'm talking about early 2000s, so peak fashion here. Mm. He told the story of when he was visiting with his family and was bunking in my room with the other two cousins. He said he rolled over in his sleeping bag and he saw an orb of light hurtling towards him, terrified because, what the fuck, am I right? Mm. He shut his eyes and when he opened them again, the light was gone. What makes all of these things make the hair on the back of our collective necks stand up on end is this. No one confided in the others about our strange experiences until we were all adults. Wow. In fact, I didn't even know about my cousin's experience until my mother came home from visiting my sister. My cousins live nearby. Shout out to 847 and 630. Local. Love it. 847. And told me about it. I'm not sure how they all even got on the topic, but I'm very glad that they did. We've all discussed it since and are convinced that the house was built on something. Mm. So that's a few short paranormal stories to make up one big batch of weird. Hope you enjoyed them. Spooky face emoji, ghost emoji. Nice. Keep up the awesome work on QU and keep being your funny, wacky selves. Okay. Bye. Michelle in Orange, California. Oh, I loved that. P.S. I've been running out to the mailbox every day, hoping to find some stickers for you guys. We DM through Instagram a couple weeks ago. This is super old. So, Michelle, what's up, girl? Reach out again. We email or we DM through Instagram a couple weeks ago about finding QU through a recommend through a recommendation on a Jonestown subreddit when you posted that five-part present. Yes, Jonestown is my thing. Weird, I know. I Everyone, everyone's got that's, that's not weird. That's yeah, not weird. That's, that's a lot of people's thing. things. You're our people, Michelle. <laughs> yes. Wanted to mention it because I'm saving a spot on the back of my truck for your sticker. Aww. How sweet is she? I love that. Thanks, so, Michelle. Thank you so much. That was so super fun and... Yeah, if anyone else has a spooky, scary ghost story, maybe your cousin does, maybe your sister does, maybe you just want some stickers to put on the back of your truck, reach out to us. You can find us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Send us some love notes there. Or you can always, as always, slippery slide into our sexy little DMs. (laughs) That's right. Hit us up. We're on all the social meds on Twitter, on Instagram, we zone probably the most. Facebook, yeah. uh, we are on Reddit. We are. I don't really know how to use it, but we're on there. Reddit. I probably posted that Jones thing, and I just didn't know where to <laughs> post it. So I guess it worked. It worked one time. It worked. Yeah. So hit us up on the social means. We're at Quite Unusual Pod, basically all over the internet. 
Yeah, and if you have a listener lore that you want to send via the mail, we do have a P.O. box. Oh, we do. Oh, so you write can, us a you letter. You can write us a letter, too. Uh, we have a P- Our P.O. box is 1212 in Des Plaines, Illinois, 60017. And I believe we also have some new patrons to welcome. We do. We have two new patrons. Thank you to Melanie S., And thank you to Claudio M. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can find it in the link of the show notes, in the link in our bios on social media, or you can just be like us and go to google.com and search Quite Unusual Pod, and it's like one of the top links. So hit up our Patreon, join our coven. We have a lot of fun there. We just started a Discord. Um... We just started a close friends list on Instagram where yeah. you get to see a lot of fun behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You'll definitely get to see all of that. It's going to be weird. <laughs> You're going to like it. So check out our Patreon if you haven't already. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye. And this is the part of the show. Well, we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. To Spencer W., a founding member of Bone Thugs in Harmony, the group of rapping grave robbers. Oh, I love their music and Mm. their graveyard finds. To Tim M., I don't know if you remember the saga of Tim M., the ethereal cat banker of Nebula 13. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Well, I've got some news on those missing cats he meant to deposit. They have been located on the starship. It seems that they're trying to liberate all the cat currency in the galaxy. Good luck, cats. Cat currency. I like it. It's the new dog coin. Savannah L., Rumor has it she can hold her breath for so long she was able to reach the deepest depths of the ocean. She swam back up with many unbelievable stories, but most importantly, the best oysters you'll ever eat. Mmm, I hope she put a little bit of hot sauce on them. Delicious. To Samantha P., who was once bit by a radioactive spider monkey and developed the ability to climb walls and spit webs and open bananas at an outrageous speed. She briefly worked as a superhero under the name The Amazing Spider Woman, but honestly, it was exhausting. I can only imagine. Two full-time jobs? How Mm. could she? Mike B., a clerk at the last remaining blockbuster video... Legend has it, the location actually exists outside the laws of time and space, which does explain why the Blair Witch on VHS is never back in stock. I'm always looking for it, and I want it's never there. Mm. To Lauren R., a dealer of finely carved crystal skulls. What does she do with them, you might ask? She poses them on top of mannequins and recreates famous works of art. You should see her rendition of American Gothic. Mm, Sounds exquisite. Kaylee O., the true reincarnation of Cleopatra. As proof, she was able to locate the hidden key to her tomb. She had a bone to pick with Amy Carlson about reincarnation bragging rights, but we all know how that turned out. Go call your mummy. 
Jess H., who recently inhabited the body of a teeny, tiny, adorable little baby turtle, who also happens to breathe fire. Mm, adorable and terrifying. Evan K., who recently bought a bottle of what he thought was regular spring water, turned out to be water from the fountain of youth, and he will never grow a day older. Oh, God, is that why his skin looks so good? Yes, yes it is. To Katie T., the inventor of the world's first fully operational time machine. Unfortunately, it runs on pop rocks. Like, a lot of pop rocks. Mm. Like, tons and actual tons of pop rocks. She's working on fuel efficiency, but... Uh. Yeah, sounds problematic. Adam K., known in the criminal underworld as the unconventional assassin. He trains animals to carry out his hits... The modus operandi is cuteness overload. <gasps> Good luck looking at those adorably deadly kittens. So soft. So sinister. And by the way, we know you're officially Adam K now. We know who you are. We know you're no longer Adam R. Don't try to tell us otherwise. To Christina N., just a regular farmer from Nebraska. Yep. Nothing to see here. Definitely don't look in that regular silo. Don't look in the silo. Kelsey C. She doesn't think her dad, the inventor of Toaster Strudel, would be too happy to hear that Jeff Bezos was planning on taking his brother to space with him. Mm. Luckily for her, Jeff has a sweet tooth and was easily paid off with Toaster Strudel goodness. Consider it a gift, not a bribe. Toaster Strudel! Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not, oh, I'm so tired of saying this. Honestly, like, when will we be worthy? We'll I just want be. to be enough for you. We'll never be worthy. Will it ever happen? Mm-mm. Okay, we're not worthy. I promise. Whatever. 